crumbled, buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. podcast of the Aquaman Trine and FirestormFan.com. Uh, we are your hosts. I am Rob Kelly of the Aquaman Trine, and my co-host is the irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Say hi, Shag. Hello, Shag. <laughs> it never gets old. Um, so uh, it is. Uh, we are. First of all, I want to apologize that we have taken so long to put up uh, another episode. Um, I was very pleased to see that we got a lot of um, angry emails from people <laughs> demanding another episode so soon. Um, we didn't necessarily plan on doing like one per week. It sort of just worked out that way. But And then uh, we went, you know, like a whole week extra without one. And people started writing emails saying, where's fire and water? So uh, that made I, me feel I, really good. Personally, I found the death threats a little too much. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the bricks through the windows and the... <laughs> 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 the nu- the nuclear symbol in the flaming nuclear symbol in my yard was just guys that was crossing the line. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, the, the the fish wrapped in the newspapers and stuff like that. I mean, it's you know, it works as an Aquaman thing and it works as a mob thing. It's perfect. So, um, <laughs> but no, I really appreciate the, the the level of interest people had about it. I think that was great. That the you know they sort of were missing the show, even though we went a whole week. So, and we tried. Uh, I will say again. I uh, well, I will apologize again. And that was mostly my fault. Um, because I just had so many other crazy things going on that um, I just could not get the time to sit and record. And um, we uh, we especially wanted to talk right after the New York Comic Con, so we, I made the extra effort to make sure we could do it uh, as soon as the uh, as soon as possible after the show ended. I, mean, I was going to say we've had good reason. I mean, first of all, we had the the first issues come out, which you know we recorded that day, which just totally. Was wow! What an amazing for you. I don't know, but roller coaster week for me right after that. That and was like cool. Said, yeah, it was great. And uh, and all of y'all who were listening and were supporting and retweeting and, and Facebooking and all that stuff, that's phenomenal. We really appreciate that. But then, yeah, the New York Comic Con. I I mean, I'm so jealous that you got to go to that. I read your recap on AquamanShrine.com, and I want to hear firsthand about it, man. 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I could only go on Thursday and Sunday, unfortunately. Uh, luckily, the Shrine had a presence on Friday as well. One of the Shrine correspondents, Joe Slab, was was also there on Friday. He was there Thursday with me as well, which was great. Um, we got to, you know, sort of double team and go around and do get twice as much done in terms of the shrine promotion on Thursday. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a well done show. I go to it every year. Um, every year I kind of wish I had more time to like spend, to spend there. And, and, and every year I tell myself, you know, one of these years I'm going to like get a hotel room and stay overnight and that way I can just like really immerse myself in it. And every year that doesn't quite, doesn't quite happen. Um, but we got to go on Thursday, which was the press day, which is really the best day to go because the place is not very crowded. Um, how, how many people come at its peak? I, you know, I don't know offhand. All I know is when you go like on a Saturday or a Sunday, you are in a convention hall, you know, in the Jacob Javits Center, which is, you know, your pretty much standard size, huge O convention hall. And it is packed to the gills. I mean, it is literally every passageway is filled with rows and rows of people, and you, wow. you just can't move. And, you know, I, I'm probably just getting, like, to be an old fuddy-duddy, but, like, I just don't, I get really, <laughs> I get really tired of that really fast. You know, I, I'm just, I'm very, um, like, when I go shopping, you know, like, I go into a store to buy the thing that I want, and I walk in, and I walk to that thing, I pick it up, and I walk to the register, and I leave. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I don't walk around and look at things. I don't, you know. So I'm the same way with cons. You know, like, I, I hit a con with the people I want to see, the stuff I want to see, the maybe the panels I want to go to, which is almost never. Um, but, I mean, I have, I have a very specific – I'm not a panel guy. I have a very specific list of things I want to do, and to me it's like the 10,000 people dressed as Optimus Prime – uh, between me and the table I want to get to, they're just slowing me down, and so I get, funny. I just get kind of frustrated. I'm not a big like meanderer, um, but but then at the same time, I, I'm I'm totally the opposite. By the way, <laughs> oh, well, I guess we know we can never go to a con together then. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, but you know what? I, I just as I say that, I realize that like you discover things when you meander that you wouldn't. Um, near the last, my like literally the last person that I saw on Sunday was this um, artist named, um, let me get his carpet here, um, uh, Joey Chow, I think it's pronounced C-H-O-U, C-H-O-U, I believe it's Joey Chow or Joey Chu, and he had this, he had this amazing, like, painterly style, it kind of looked like classic children's book art, and hmm. he, his table was, was right by the exit of the showroom floor, and I just happened to, because I was stuck uh, in between, <laughs> in between, like, 19 different people dressed as a, uh, uh, Deadpool. Um, I, there, were, there were a lot of Deadpools there. Um, I happened to see his stuff, and I just went, oh, man, this is really neat stuff. So he had a print, and, and I got it for uh, – I bought a print for Darlin Tracy because I knew she would like it because it was like the really uh, – just I just knew she would appreciate the style. And that, that's something I saw, you know, by meandering. So, you know. Did, did, did you just call her Darlin Tracy? I did. That's adorable. Thank you. I try to. Be, That's awesome. I try to be adorable as much as I can. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, so yeah. Um, but anyway, um, the show is run very well. Like you know, you get you you go and get your press pass, and there's no, you know, you go in and you just give them your name. They're like, here's your badge. Thanks. It's real quick, real painless, and that's that's always like to me, it's like a good sign. Um, the show itself, 
um, was probably like outside of the San Diego Comic Cons, mm-hmm. where you know we were there and we really immersed ourselves because we were there. You know, you were there for the show. It was probably the best con I've ever been to in terms of just the experiences I had. Because cool. um, yeah, because quickly I got to we we happened to meander over to what we Joe and I called Aqua Corner. And um, Aqua, Aqua Corner was... It just smell like old dead fish. You know, it was like three little guys and, you know, hoodies. and um, Aqua Corner was Joe Prado, inker Joe Ooh. Prado, um, colorist Rod Reese, Ooh. and uh, Ivan Costa, who is an... Ivan, I, Ivan is sort of like um, Ivan Reese's art rep slash... Um, I don't even really know what his title is, but he sort of, I think he sort of like just represents Ivan Reese when Ivan Reese isn't around. And like, cause I think as far as I know, Ivan Reese doesn't speak a whole lot of English and Ivan Costa yes. does. So Ivan is, is like, Ivan is like sort of the conduit for Reese's stuff. And the shrine has been very fortunate in that we've gotten to post a bunch of exclusive art from Ivan Reese that like has never been seen outside of the offices of DC comics. And we get it from Ivan Costa, you know, Ivan talks to the other, Ivan, <laughs> Ivan two and Ivan <laughs> one, I guess you should say. Um, but like Ivan two, will talk to Ivan one and be like, Hey, is it okay if the shrine posts the stuff? And Ivan one says, yeah, go ahead. So we've managed to post character sketches and like cover concepts and stuff that like nobody has seen. I've seen it. Yeah, the stuff you posted on the shrine is just amazing. Yeah, and we, we get that through Ivan Costa. So so he was there. So I just went over and, and talked to all three of those guys, and they could not have been nicer to me and to Joe and to the Aww. shrine in general. They were so supportive of what we were doing. It was unbelievable. And was, this the fir- was this your first time meeting him? Yeah, I never met any of them in person before. That's phenomenal. That's, yeah. that's great. I mean, Ivan Costa had um, gotten a copy of Aquaman number one signed by Ivan Reese to the shrine. Like, he wrote to Aquaman, and then the logo it says Aquaman, and then he wrote shrine underneath Aww. Ivan Reese, and he gave us that. And then I went and got Joe Prado to sign it, and I got Rod Reese to sign it. And, like, um, actually, when I was first there, Joe Prado was off at the DC booth doing a signing. So I was talking to Ivan and talking to Rod, and I gave Rod my Aquaman sketchbook so he could do a sketch for me. And so I was nice. like, oh, yeah. I was like, so and, – and so I was like, oh, let me go over to DC. While you guys are over here, let me go to the DC booth and find Joe. So I get in line, and, and um, it just gets so confusing. There's Joe Slab, Joe Prado, Ivan Reese, Ivan Costa. Everybody needs a different <laughs> name. Um, <laughs> a lot of Ivans and Joes. And if I meet another shag, it's going to be very frustrating. Um <laughs> It's all kind of Russian, you know, Joe Stalin, you know, Ivan. It's, uh, <laughs> it's very, very there's a strong. Theme, there's a theme going here. Strong male names. Um, so anyway, I went over to the DC booth uh, where Joe Slab, uh, Shrine Correspondent, was waiting in line to um, talk to Jim Lee or, in the very least, like bask in the reflected glory that is Jim Lee or something like that. <laughs> I, I believe they hand you sunglasses so you don't go blind from staring at the awesomeness that is Jim Lee. Um, right. So then I go over there, and Joe Prado was signing. So I went over, and I, I, I get in line. And I didn't want anything from Joe. I just wanted to say hi. So I got in line, and I'm waiting and waiting. And then I get to go up to him, and I, I had my custom-made Aquaman shrine lanyard that I made. Um, yep. for, the, for the express purpose of in case somebody saw it, they would know who I was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I get up to the line, and I'm like, 
hey, Joe, and I held up my lanyard, and his face just lit up. And he reaches across the table and like gives me like a bear hug. And he's Aww. like, yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, Aquaman, Sean, you're awesome. You, this is... You're, you are so awesome. And he's like pointing to every, and he's like telling other people how awesome I am and how awesome the shrine is. Oh. And I'm just like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like, oh my God. So, um, there's a, there's five years worth of affirmation right there. Oh, you ain't kidding. So, uh, so, so he, uh, I, and uh, I'm, I'm jumping around, but, um, um, earlier when I was talking to Ivan Costa, he had given me a print that the guys had gotten done of the Aquaman cover of the number the cover to number one but it's done in a triptych where half of it is in pencil form half of it is in inked form and then the other well half and no, three halves now a quarter <laughs> a quarter of it i'm not a math expert a quarter third, third or quarter here where third, are we going a third of it a third of it is in pencils <laughs> I can hear this, our next podcast is going to be the math fraction podcast <laughs> tracy's in the background shaking her head at me so we've got a, a third of it in pencil a third of it in inks and a third of it in you know inks and color so you're sort of seeing what each of them do mm-hmm. um all in one image and signed by all three of them signed by ivan reese signed by rod reese and signed by joe prado and I, Ivan had given me that. And he said, this is for you. He goes, we only made 10 of these. <gasps> and we're giving one to you. Oh, my And I gosh. was like, oh, my God. You know, and again, again, you know, something else I had to, like, kind of roll up gently and carry with me to make sure nobody you know, smashed into me and crumpled it. So, anyway, I had that with me. I go over to visit Joe at the DC booth. And he's all, you know, great. And Joe says to me, find me at my booth. Find me at my table. I have something for you. And I thought, oh, well, he means the thing that Ivan just gave me. I'm, so mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, okay, whatever. I didn't want to get into it because he was busy. There's other people in line. So I said, oh, that, you know, that's great, Joe. So then I went off and did some other things. And then I came back and Joe was there. And, and I said, oh, hey, you know, uh, shaking his hand again. And he goes, oh, I have something for you. And he reaches into a portfolio. And all of a sudden I'm realizing, wait a minute. He doesn't mean the thing that I already have in my hand. He reaches into his portfolio and he whips out a an original drawing he did of Aquaman just for me. No way. Yeah, that he had done before the show. How, did you did you get in contact with all these guys ahead of time? Oh yeah, they knew we were going to be there. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. we had talked via Twitter. They knew we were going to be there. So he did this full on pencil and like wa- wa- kind of like a, a wash effect mm-hmm. portrait of Aquaman. Which will be on the Shrine in a couple of days, depending on when you listen to this. It's going to be up on, um, I believe, uh, Wednesday the 19th. Um, but, I mean, it's like a 9 by 12 full-on Joe Prado original drawing that he did just for me. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just like, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, and I said, you know, that's his way. I, I was just like, oh, these guys are just giving me all this free stuff. And, <laughs> and I mean, it's, I don't want to just reduce it to being like, oh, I got a bunch of free stuff, therefore it was good. It was more just like the level of appreciation they were showing for what we were doing was mm-hmm. just unbelievable. And, and it stood in such stark contrast to, frankly, like how DC treats us. Like DC just is completely indifferent to what we're doing. And it was so nice to have these guys be so supportive of, of what we were doing. And it really blew me away. And, um, that's 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 phenomenal. Because I mean, the, you you think about it. And I know I interrupted your flow there. I'm sorry, but but these guys are fans too. And the fact that they you know they see your site, they recognize your effort, they recognize your contribution, and then at, from a sales point of view, they recognize that you're helping to, you know, as you say, beat the drum 
and get people to remember Aquaman and keep it at top of mind. And I mean, it, it helps them in a, from a business point of view. So I mean, it's what, what a great thing all the way around for them to recognize. Yeah, it makes, you, and you just you deserve it, man. Well, thank you. I mean, and it does. It makes total sense on a marketing standpoint. Kind of like when Ethan sent you the copy of Firestorm Number One ahead of time. I mean, not only was Ethan being a good guy, he was being a good marketer. I didn't even have to mention that myself. Well done. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, speaking of fi- speaking of Firestorm, I had some other experiences um, that I can mention in a minute, but I don't want to get off this before I forget it. Uh, speaking of really great people, um, Firestorm artist uh, Ildere Sinar. I'm, I'm not saying his name exactly right. Um, I apologize, Mr. Sinar. I know he listens to the show. I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, well, Shag already knows this story, but I'm telling it for, for you guys. Um, I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna bask in this story. There you go. This is great. Um, so I, I I go up there was across the right across from Aqua Corner was 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 uh, Ilderay, and he was there and he's drawing and I go up to him and I was thinking, uh, so I went up to him and I, I had a copy of Firestorm Number One that I was gonna get signed for Shag because I thought you know how many how many times am I gonna be around this guy? He, he's from Turkey, so not very often. Right. He's right. He flew all the way from Turkey. I mean, good lord. So incredibly, incredibly generous of you to, to think about uh, think of me too. Well, Thank no you. problem, no problem. So, so, so I, I, you know, I buy a copy of it uh, at a you know dealer and I bring it over. I walk up to him and I'm like, "Oh, excuse me, Mr. Sonar." I said, "You know," and I said, "Would you mind signing this?" And as he's signing it, I figure, "Well, here's a good time to just you know." So I said, "Oh, by the way, uh, I run a sh- uh, I run a podcast uh, with a friend of with a friend of mine, and it's all about Aquaman and Firestorm, and it's called the Fire and Water Podcast." And he goes, "Oh, you do Fire and Water Podcast?" He goes, I just listened to the last, I just downloaded the most recent episode. I'm like, you listen to the show? I was like, I couldn't believe it. I, when you texted me that, my mind blew up. Yeah, I was just like, wow, you actually listened to the show? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, and, and I said, yeah. I said, oh, my co-host Shag is like the hugest Firestorm fan. And he, that's his, you know, his half of the show. And he goes, and he, and he asked me something I don't exactly remember because it was very noisy, but it was something about like, oh, it's Shag, right? Shag's the, the Firestorm guy? I said, yeah. He goes, hold on one second. So he was in the middle of doing a sketch for somebody. He pulls out a pad uh, with a fresh page, you know, page on it and whips out this marker and starts doing a drawing of Firestorm for Shag. And I didn't ask him to do that. I didn't ask him to do any. He just starts drawing it. And he goes, uh, this is going to be for Shag. And I'm like, really? Are you sure? He goes, oh, yeah, no, no this is, this is going to be for Shag. And I'm like, oh, my God. So he starts drawing, and he's actually like, – and this wasn't some little doodle. Like, he was putting, like, you know, real work into it. And I was like, well, let me leave you alone. Uh, you know, I'll come back. And so I went off and did something else, and I um, switched into my Slave Leia costume. And then I came back. And, slave Leia um, costume. <laughs> I look awesome. So I come, I come back, and then he was still working on it. And it was this really, you know, well-done piece. And he's like – he asked me to make sure what it was 1G or 2Gs. <laughs> and, oh. and, I, and I said, "Oh, it's one G." Um, now it's funny because I've seen you at times have both, but I every there, time there's a story. I'll tell that at the end. Okay. There's a story between the one G and the two G. Okay. I always do see see it as one, so I just said, "Oh no, it's one." And he wrote, you know, to the number one Firestorm fan or whatever he wrote on there. He, he too says, "For Shag, the greatest fan of the flame, best," uh, and he signed it, uh, Yield Race Snow. There you go. So then he, he, you know, finishes up the thing and hands it to me, and he's just like, there you go. And, like, I was so stunned at that, and I was like, thank you. I said, I cannot believe it. I said, I so appreciate it. I mean, you know, these guys are there to make money, 
not not just to make money, but that's how they're going to make their extra money is by doing sketches. And for him to do something for free, you know, and to take time out of his day, I, I was so impressed by that. So, dude, um, I'm I'm a, I'm so blown. I'm sitting here holding it, just staring at it, my slack jawed right now as I'm, as we're talking. It is so gorgeous. It is. Uh, it's Ronnie. It's the Ronnie Firestorm because you know there's two firestorms now. It's the Ronnie Firestorm, and you know, he's got the headgear. He's got the flames coming up everywhere. You see the shoulders and the the hints of the the chest emblem. It is, a, and he's got the on top of the marker. Then he's got sort of an ink wash behind it, like he yeah. does in the comic. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I and, was, uh, oh, yeah. I was so, and I just like to have like those experiences kind of on top of each other, like to to meet to meet Ilderay and to meet Joe and to meet Rod, and to have them all be so receptive to what like we were doing. I, I was so touched by that. I really was, and in, in a profound way, and and and. It left me as this feeling of like as much as sort of a lot of times it's like kind of a pain in the butt to get to New York and schlep up there and go to the show and try and fit it in with all the other stuff I was doing because I had to like buy a new car this week and finish off this freelance illustration that was due on Monday that was really complex and you know but to go there and to 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 like have those experiences you're like this is why I go to these shows is to have these experiences you know and you can't count on them but when you have them they are. It's just you will never forget them because you know as much as I am a um, you know, aging bitter fanboy, um, <laughs> and you know comic books have lost their ability to inspire a sense of wonder in me because that's just burnt out of uh, out of my life. Um, you know you still I, you still have that charge um, when you have an experience with somebody like that. And, you know, it's not exactly the same thing as to, like, when I got to meet, you know, somebody who was, like, my hero, like, when I was younger. But, um, because, I mean, Joe and the other guys are more, like, my contemporaries, if they're probably even younger than I am. But nevertheless, they're, they're, they're part of this character's history that I'm chronicling. And for them to to be so so vociferous in their praise of what we're doing... Um, it was just, you know, I just, I went home, like, I walked back to the, to the, to the Port Authority, you know, down Manhattan, and just had this stupid grin on my face, because it just was like, I can't believe I had those experiences, I can't believe these guys were, were so nice, and, 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 you know, between the Thursday and Sunday, it kept going, I mean, I kept get, I got an email from Ivan, where he goes, hey, we were at the DC party, and we were talking to the Aquaman book editor about the shrine. Mm. And you're like, what? You stop! You know, like you don't don't stop promoting me so much. Don't you know? Don't worry about it. And so then I went back on. uh, Joe was there on Friday, and he got to um, actually. uh, I don't know if he got to literally talk to Jeff Johns because I don't know if like if if any human can conceive of Jeff Johns, like whether the rest of us mortals can, you know, approximate what it would be like to talk to Jeff Johns. Apparently. Um, well, what, he wrote me that he talked to him. Okay. I mean, I'm not trying to steal your story or anything, but yeah, I, I, I saw it on the, on Twitter that he had, he saw Jeff Johns or whatever, and I, I wrote back and forth with him, and Joe explained. He said he went up, and he mentioned who who he was, and he was from the Shrine, and I guess Jeff Johns turned to Jim Lee 
and said, hey, this is this is the guy from the Aquaman site or something to that effect. Yes, I know. I was actually just trying to make a joke about, oh, like, you know, sorry. thanks for stepping on my joke, Shag. I appreciate that. But you're, um, not, you're not that funny. Eh, so. Okay. Well, okay. you have to explain it, I guess. You know, well, I'll talk slower so you can understand. Right, um, smaller words. Luciferous, whatever that was. Yeah. I, I'm on dictionary.com right okay, now. Okay, right now. Um, no, but I was just sort of make. I thought it was funny that when Joe mentioned that he – he said to Jeff Johns like 12 times where he was from. He was from the Aquaman Shrine. And then Jeff Johns said something like, "He's this is a guy from that Aquaman site. Like Jeff Johns doesn't have the ability to remember the word shrine that was just said to him 12 times <laughs> in the last 12 seconds. And again, I imagine it's to me, it's, you know, it's, it's you, if you, uh, if you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you and drives you insane. And I feel like that's, I, I feel like that's the aura around Jeff Johns now where it's like, you know, you're lucky if some of the words get near the cloud of awesomeness that surrounds him at all times. I know I'm guaranteeing he'll never do an interview with me at this point. Pretty um, much done there. Yeah, I think. well, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, it, it could be, too, and um, that, you know, he's – corporate DC – you and I have had discussions offline. Corporate DC, for, for some of the right reasons, probably can't recognize well, our, our efforts I, I'm not, to some extent. I'm not buying that because okay. – and I'm, the reason I'm not buying that is because – for our birthday post, we got yeah. a quote from Dan Didio. That's true. And honestly, the the social media guys have promoted my site a few times Yeah, now. so, you know. I, 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 I hadn't told you that because I didn't want you to cry. Yeah, but. well, I, I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. Well, just for a different reason. The other nights I normally do it, but it's to be Aquaman related tonight. Right. Um, no, I get it. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't want to sound too bitter. It just sounded funny. It just, the way Joe wrote it, it just sounded funny that he was like, I told Jeff Johns that we were from the Shrine approximately, you know, 12 times in 30 seconds. And then <laughs> Jeff Johns turns to Jeff Lee and says, he's from this Aquaman site. We're like, don't you have any memory retention of what I just told you? Like, I just said <laughs> the name of the site. Like, the, you know, you know, it's like weird. Like, I don't know. Maybe Jeff Johns is like Mr. Short-Term Memory or something. He was hit in the head by an apple. And he doesn't remember or anything. Um, hey, but he, at least he introduced Joe. He did. Jim Lee. He that's, did. that's something. He did. I, I'm sorry. I'm just... It, it's late and I'm bitter. So such a, um, such a bitter, bitter man. I am. I'm also bitter that I didn't get to do it. It was like it was, this is Friday and I didn't get to do it. Um, so anyway, um, where the heck was I going with this? So so um, uh, Joe was there on Friday and got to talk to Jeff Johns. And then neither of us were there on Saturday because, um, like I said, I had some illustration work to get done. Um, Joe is a raging alcoholic, and he had to sleep it off. And so then I was back on. So he doesn't. He doesn't listen to the show. He's so never going to hear me. So, so then, so then I was back on. I'm, tw- I'm tweeting this right now. And then I was back on. It loses content now. Believe me. So then I was back on. <laughs> the first step is admitting you have a problem. So then the the uh, I went back on Sunday. And I only had a, like a one or two hours to be there, and I had fun there because I got to meet um, Ray DeForest, who is a, a big-time Aquaman Shrine supporter. Um, he's working on a – I won't say what it is, but he's working on a special little project, uh, Shrine-related, which is very fun. And he's doing it totally on his own uh, cool. his own volition. Um, he clued me in a little bit as to what it is. It's very fun. And um, so I got to talk to him, and I had never met him before, so that, that was great. And I said I got to make the rounds again with with the guys. And um, uh, Joe Prado mentioned uh, he, 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 he reaches – one thing I love about Joe is when he really likes you, you can tell this. He doesn't just do the handshake. Like he does like the super cool guy handshake. 
and like you feel like you're in like the seventies and it's like Huggy Bear or something, like he does like the right on kind of thing. And then he reaches over the table and like grabs you around the neck and it's like so like cool and male and macho and yet very sensitive and t- it was great. You know, you just feel so, you know, like I'm not a touchy guy. I'm very sort of like reserved or whatever. So it was just fun to have somebody like, Come here, you and um so then he said that he wants me he wants the shrine to do like a round table interview with him and Rod and Ivan all together. <gasps> and oh, wow. I'm like, you bet your butt we're going to do that. So, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know where Joe and I think, I think Joe and Rod live in, um, don't, don't live in America at the very least. I think, I think Joe Prado lives in Brazil, I think. So they're, they're far away. So it's not like I had dreams, um, until I remember that they probably live far away, I had dreams of like going to visit them all and like having it like an alcohol fueled lunch and then just recording it, <laughs> oh having four drunk guys talk about Aquaman for a couple of hours. <laughs> like that'd be the greatest interview ever. Um, but we probably won't get to do that. But um, but I I just said, oh, absolutely, Joe, we'll do it. And I shook everybody's hand again. And 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 Rod had done his Aquaman sketch for me in my sketchbook, which is a beautiful color. It's not even a sketch. You can't call it a sketch. It's a color painting oh, wow. of Aquaman. That's going to be on the shrine later on in the week. And, um, uh, you know, again, I got to say them, say goodbye to them all. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, I, I went and said hi to Ildre again. And, um, you know, it was, it was great. It was just a great, great set of experiences. And, uh, it, you know, to, to, to come, you know, to just feel so, I'm repeating myself here, but just to feel so, you know, uh, appreciated for the work that we're doing um, by guys that are, you know, are busy. You know, they're busy cranking out this book. Um, it, it meant the world to me. It really did. So uh, I can't, I cannot say enough about that experience. I, I got to echo it. I mean, just reading what you had written uh, on the shrine and uh, just everything now. I mean, just what, a, what an amazing experience for you. Just so cool. And, and I've lived vicariously through you now, first of all, with, with my excitement about Aquaman, but also with what Yildirei did, which I, again, did, have I mentioned how blown away I am by this? <laughs> um, you, when you texted me like right afterwards, <clears throat> I was with my five-year-old daughter at a bookstore and, oh, they um, still have those. That's great. They do. Yeah. I'm sorry. Wow. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, and, I told her, and, you know, she knows I like Firestorm. She knows I run Firestorm Fan. She's so cute. She goes, yes, Daddy, you run Firestorm Fan and Once Upon a Geek. But anyway, so... Um, <laughs> he condescended to it by a five-year-old. That's great. Well, she'll, she'll ask, like, which one am I talking about? You know, anyway, so um, she she misunderstood what I said. She thought when I said Yildirei did a sketch for me, she thought I said Yildirei did a sketch of me. <laughs> so, like, the next day, I'm driving her to school, and out of the blue... She goes, Daddy, when the Firestorm artist man drew your picture, did did Firestorm's flames, did, did it cover your bald spot? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, so that's like the most adorable question you've ever asked me, honey. <laughs> so from the mouth to babes. There you go. Um, and, and I have to comment on the shag with two Gs thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever told you this, face, but and it ties back to you talking about Joe too, and and the closeness of of, of a creator to a fan. Um, the reason, actually, a lot of people know me as Shag with two G's because of Facebook. 
Facebook refused to allow shag with one G because of the uh, the connotation of the word shag in England. Really? Yeah. So I, I, just, I just put a second G just to, to, to get past, you know, I had to, I was fighting the man, had to work the system. So oddly enough, a lot of people now have known me as shag with two Gs. In fact, one of those people is George Perez. Aha. Uh-huh. And so whenever I see George Perez, he always ends up signing it with two G's. <laughs> it's, and I don't want to – you don't correct George Perez. You just – you you, it's like telling him you didn't draw Superman right. You just – you don't tell him. You, you don't wrap things. him on the drawing hand or the ruler. Right. <laughs> exactly. And uh, have you ever gotten your picture with George Perez? No. I've ne- I, no, no. I've met him once, but no, no, I've not got a picture of him. He doesn't just get a picture with you. Oh, he gets in close, yeah. He gets up, wraps his arm around your neck like he's about to give you noogies or something, and you are skull to skull with this man, and he looks happier than he's ever looked in his whole life. It is is such a great experience. So, um, but the difference there is he doesn't know who you are. He just does that. So uh, if you ever get a chance to meet George Perez, definitely ask if you can get a picture with him. (laughs) Uh, It's well worth it. So, but... um, Man, I got to tell you, your New York experience was just just amazing. Wow. Yeah, and what we're hoping to do next year, and you know, every year I say, oh, next year we're going to do this, and we'd never do it because just things don't work out the way we want them to. But we we are kind of hoping, wishing, hoping, maybe hoping <laughs> that next year we will get a table for the shrine. Ooh, that's and cool. Because we have there were lots of like Aqua fans that wanted to like run into us, but it's hard to run into people. Um, especially like on a Friday and Saturday when it's so crowded, you know, even, even with, you know, my lanyard, it's not like that's like some big thing. So, um, we were, we're talking about doing that next year of getting a table and then we can tell people, Hey, you want to come by and say hi to the shrine? Come to, you know, you know, J70 or whatever. Um, right. and, and, and I think that might even make me more like, it'd be more like Z72. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, he will be in the alley behind the. Uh... <laughs> That's why it's called Artist Alley. Yeah. You're legitimately in an alley. You, I mean, you're technically in the Javits Center, but you're really technically still <laughs> in New Jersey because you're over the river. Um, but uh, we were thinking about doing that because that way we could tell people come see us, and and that might make like me more inclined to hang around more because you have like a place to go and sit and relax mm-hmm. as opposed to constantly sort of just trawling around the con like a shark. So um, just gonna say, can't stop moving. Suffocate. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so we're thinking about doing that, and and also uh, my other project that I'm working on will be already up, will be up and going by then. And so we were, uh, me and my partner were talking about doing a table for that. So I might, weird, if I can swing the time and the money, we might be going from zero tables this year to two tables next year. Oh wow! Where we'll have one for the shrine and one for my other project, and I can sort of like do both and whatever. So, you know, um, I hope. I hope that's what we can maybe pull that off next year. Because that would be fun to meet more people, to meet more of the phone guys. Um, right. Uh, you know, it's hard to do it the way it is. So, anyway. Uh, I, I, I promised it before the show started I wasn't going to go on too long about the New York Con. And I've been talking for half an hour. It, it's an incredible experience, so. man. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not like the, the, when I talked about Dragon Con, that was only peripherally related to what we do, so I try not to make that too long. Whereas this, I mean, this was directly related to what this show's about, man, so no, no yeah. reason for apologies. I said it was a good, it really was a, a great experience, and those are great guys. Those three guys, the, the and, you know, I don't want to exclude Ivan Reese, because, uh, just because he wasn't there, I mean, he's clearly part of it, I mean, he is, he's been allowing uh, Ivan Costa to promote all this stuff, and so he's been a big promoter. So, you know, those four guys, 
they are just they are just the great the greatest guys in the world and and to 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 be chummy with guys that are drawing aquaman is uh that's pretty amazing. That is pretty darn amazing. So it was a, it was a great trip. And I said I got to to meet some other people. I, I ran into um, uh, an old buddy from uh, the Joe Kubert School that I went with, uh, Tom Zoller, who does the Love and Capes book. Um, uh, and guess who? What he's a big fan of? Uh, let's see. Well, no, no. Let me see if I can guess. Uh, Ambush Bug. Oh Lord! Wait, slipknot. You. I got it in. Right. Slipknot. Ah, uh, it's my turn for the Slipknot joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a big fan of Firestorm. In fact, yes, uh, yes, he the is. To- the Tune Tumblers that came out a while back, they did a Firestorm Tune Tumbler, and he did the uh, nuclear symbol in the background uh, behind fire- the Firestorm. That's right. Um, That's stock right. art. Yeah, him and I. We went to Cuba together, and we uh, we 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 had me and him and a bunch of other. Uh, guys from Cuba have had uh, many uh, many an adventure together, um, but we sort of lost touch, and so this was an uh, opportunity to see him again. So we caught up uh, briefly, and it was uh, fun seeing him again after so long. And um, I got to you know visit a couple other people. I, there were a bunch of guys I wanted to like go up and talk to, but they were just so busy, which you mm-hmm. know it was great, good for them. You know, like I saw Alex Saviak, who drew uh, Aquaman in the eighties, and uh, was part of our birthday celebration. And he was, I wanted to talk to him, but he was. Um, busy selling original artwork to this family it was so cute there was a it was a, a, a you know a, a set of parents and their little kid and the little kid they were buying the little kid original spider-man strip art i was gonna say he drew spider-man for a that while, alex right? did alex drew the spider-man newspaper strip for a long time and he has like almost like he from 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 the look of the book it looked like he had like a year of originals because was this oh, wow. giant stack all in this, you know, in these nice, you know, sleeves with the book and everything. And the kid was picking which strips he wanted. And it was so cute. Like, the kid just wanted the strips that had the characters he liked. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a whole sequence with Morbius. And yeah. the kid was like, I like that guy, the vampire guy. And the dad was like, well, I'll buy you this. And the dad was – it looked like the dad was going to be buying the kid, like, $500 worth of strip I was going to say, but that like, get pricey real fast. <laughs> that's a nice dad. I was like, man, that kid's not getting any presents for the next 10 years. Um, so Alex was so busy with this family and I, I was like, wow, well, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I couldn't wait around too much longer and I didn't want to like horn in on his business. So I just was like, okay, I'll talk to him later. But, uh, um, yeah, there were lots of pros around that, that I would have loved to, oh, I got this, I got to talk to Art Baltazar again, who's a big supporter cool. of the shrine, who is just great, you know, Art's just a great guy. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, just a great, a great, great show, great experiences. Well, very cool. You know, um. This kind of segues into what I wanted to talk about real briefly. I mean, you talked about meeting all these folks that have been so supportive of the site. There's one person who's been incredibly supportive of a Firestorm fan. Wait, that's not fair to say. There's been several people that have been very supportive of a Firestorm fan. But there's one person in particular I want to talk about today, uh, Gail Simone. She's been incredibly supportive of the site. She's stopped by. She's left comments. She's talked about the site on other sites. She's been incredibly complimentary on Twitter. Uh, I mean, on the day Firestorm came out, she she sent this incredibly nice unsolicited tweet about Firestorm fan and how great it was and how it just she's been wonderful. Well, the rumor on the street right now is unfortunately that she has quit Firestorm. Mm. Um, it's unconfirmed at this point. It's coming from Bleeding Cool, which you know, depending on how you feel about it, some people <laughs> think they're dead on, some people think they're full of crap. Your mileage may vary. Right, exactly. But I think the key to focus in on is that this rumor broke 
like Wednesday or Thursday of last week. And people have been constantly asking Gail and Ethan on Twitter and Facebook over and over, is it true, is it true, is it true? And neither of them have said peep about it, hmm. which, which indicates to me – and I'm not faulting them for not saying anything. But what, what it indicates to me is more than likely there's, there's some grain of truth to it and they're waiting for DC to say something publicly. That seems like a reasonable conclusion to draw. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of these um, non-disclosure agreements too. I mean, I don't know what they say. There's a lot of assumption going on here, and you know what they say about assumptions? It can make an ass out of you and me. Um, but uh, it just it seems logical that they they're not shooting those rumors down for that reason. I mean, they're shooting down other rumors. Uh, I've seen them shoot down other stuff in that time. So. Um, and then I went back and did a little research, and it looks like Gail actually hasn't tweeted about Firestorm since October first, which is a mm. you know it was a good while ago. So it could have been that she left a while ago. Now I, I got to believe you know Bleeding Cool's story is probably looking for the sensational angle. I mean, their words were that she walked off the Firestorm book over editorial differences, um, which is very dramatic. Exactly. When you're doing I mean, everything via email. <laughs> that's exactly on. what you want, sensationalism sort of thing. So, you know, I, I've always been of the belief it's, you know, the truth is somewhere in the middle. So, you know, I don't know what the other side to make it the middle is at this point. I assume there'll be some sort of press release from DC if there is, if she's no longer on the book. Um, maybe they're waiting to find another scripter or they just waiting for issue two to already come out. I don't know what. But uh, if it's true, I'm sad. Because I think she's a great scripter. I think she's a great co-plotter. I think she's incredibly energetic and is very, very approachable on social media. And I think that a lot of fans appreciate that. And um, But, of course, I wish her the best of success in every project she does. I read Batgirl, which was, I finally got my hands on a copy. I've been able to find a copy since it came out. And I finally got it this week. It is so good. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. And I'm a big Oracle fan, so I was a little, you know, a little hesitant. To get on board with the, with the new Batgirl, even though Gail was writing it, but man, it was so well written. Really loved it. So, anyway, that's the gist of it. Just thought you match heads would want to know that. Um, that's all I know at this point. That would be such a shame. I mean, just just out of the pure consistency of it, to leave somebody to leave a book so quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like you know that that's always been part of the like problem of like modern comics is you know getting creative teams to last you know i mean they promote these big things of oh this is going to be we've got so and so and so and so and you know then the stuff doesn't come out on time you know what i mean or or they they last three issues or whatever um you know it could be something as simple as you know um that you know gail and ethan co-plotted these and she scripted I think through the first four at least I seem to recall she was solicited on issue number four hey, maybe she scripted the first four and Ethan's ready mm-hmm. you know maybe he's ready to do his own scripts it could be that simple you know I just I just don't know so, yeah. or maybe or maybe Jeff's leaving Aquaman and he wants to write Firestorm <laughs> good luck getting to talk to him then um, <laughs> no he, he knows his Firestorm fan so uh. <laughs> oh <laughs> Actually, I, I did meet Jeff Johns back in 2003, and um, he was really cool. It was a long time ago, though, and things the world was a lot different back then. <laughs> yeah, the world was a lot different back then. Um, so yeah, oh yeah, so, so that would that would you know that would that would be sad though, just to just to have a shakeup so soon into the yeah into the run. You know, you always feel like. But one of the things I liked about 
um, you know, like Why the Last Man or Preacher, you know, like those books was like they had the same creative team for yes. the inti- you know for a, such a long run, and that's you know kind of that's tough for them to pull off in um, mainstream superhero comics. Like I, I, I love that George Perez was on Wonder Woman for so long, like six years, you know, as writer artist, and then finally as writer. But I mean, that's a great run just to be able to have that length of time, you know. So as as much as I may goof on Jeff Johns and I do, um, you know I hope he sticks on Aquaman for a long time for a multi you know multiple uh, set of reasons. So yeah, it, it you know the, the the Gail Simone story broke really late at night, um, and I and I didn't even stumble across it till like midnight one night, and that's and it just felt like a sucker punch, and then it was probably I don't know twelve hours later that I got the text from you about the Ildre picture, the sketch. So it's just like it went from being a really depressing day to being like, oh, oh, holy crap, this is a great day. There you go. I'm glad I could help turn so, it around for you. Thank you so much. So, so all right. Well, Lisa, that is uh, – I think that's going to be the first half of the show. The second half, uh, which we will get to right after these commercial announcements, is we are going to talk about uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, so uh, just listen to these commercial messages, commercial messages and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Oh, that's much better, much smoother. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. Firestorm! Superman! What is it? Kryptonite! Hurry! Can't last much longer! I'm Neil Reichner, and you're listening to Fire and Water Podcast. And we're back. Uh, thank you for coming back to part two of the Fire and Water podcast. Um, part two of the show, we decided we are going to talk about, uh, as I mentioned before the break, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, the cartoon series. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, we figured um, it was a good time to talk about it because the show is just now entering its final phase, sad phase, um, in terms of that it's going off the air. Um, they are no longer producing new episodes. I think they have about boo. a yeah, boo. I think they have like a handful, um, maybe like four or five, maybe, maybe more new ones. And then um, to, to, to show on Cartoon Network, uh, whenever Cartoon Network feels like showing them, like, you know, Sunday nights at three in the morning. Um, <laughs> and then that's going to be it. So we figured it was a good time. And I also, the, the Shrine just ran an interview a couple of weeks ago with Brave and Bold producer Michael Jelinek, who was very nice to talk to the Shrine. And, of course, we've had a bunch of talks with the other producer, James Tucker, who's been a uh, big supporter of the Shrine in terms of um, answering all our all, all my nerdy questions about Brave and the Bold. <laughs> all my questions are nerdy. They don't have to be about Brave and the Bold. Um, so anyway, uh, we decided we're going to do just, just a little brief history on the show, and then we are going to talk about um, – each of us are going to talk about a specific episode um, relating to Firestorm and uh, Aquaman. Um, it, it's fair to say that this isn't the only time we'll talk about the show either. I mean, other other episodes, we'll pick another episode or two to talk about, and uh, these just happen to be the ones we pick for today. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, Brave and the Bold really uh, has done. So, I would say Brave and the Bold has done more for Aquaman than it's done for Batman. Um, at a certain point, how much more popular can Batman be? You know, I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like there's only so much you can do. There's so much, as they say, like market penetration. Um, oh, I'm gonna put the explicit tag on this one. Um, oh. there's only so much. <laughs> I love that joke. Um, so uh, there's, you know, there's only so much more famous Batman can become. 
So at this point, you're kind of like spinning the dial and coming up with different takes, which is clearly Brave and the Bold's view. Um, and Brave and the Bold, from the beginning, was was said it was showing that it was going to be different than Batman the Animated Series and different than the other show, The Batman, the more manga, uh, anime-inspired one. Right. Um, and then they quickly sort of fell into their own rhythms by making the show almost like more than 50-50 comedy and making it like – Almost like a Bob Heaney, Brave and the Bull comic from the seventies, where just crazy stuff happened. Well, it's sort of like, a, it, it, you know, in some ways, it's it takes a nod from the old campy TV live action series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got it's, it's definitely uh, what's that version? That, that version of Batman is actually called the Policeman's Friend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rather yeah. than the Dark Knight. Yeah, I mean, you know, in this show, there's like Space Batman and giant, giant monster Batman and evil duplicate Batman and multi-dimensional Batman. Yeah, it's clearly it is really like the 1960s and 70s DC comics come to life, which is no irony, no postmodern coolness. It's all just straight ahead uh, adventure. Although, of course, the show itself did have lots of irony and postmodern coolness, but in, in kind of a different way, um, in a more charming way, I like to think. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, I think this show's done more for Aquaman than it did for Batman because it really helped put Aquaman back on the map in a lot of ways in terms of um, a non-comic book audience. I mean, when Brave and the Bull came on, which is, I think, four years ago at this point, um, Aquaman was dead in the DC Universe, and... Here, That's good. I thought you meant figuratively, but no, you actually meant literally. No, okay. literally, literally <laughs> dead, um, dissipated into water, and so here they were rendering him in the classic outfit. I mean, they gave him the beard, which was like a, a which was again a nice little affectation, like to again spin the dial a little bit. You're like, we're doing our own version. It's the it, it's the version you know, but it's not exactly the version you know. Um, and they completely upended his personality, which a lot of Aquamans in the beginning did not like because they were like, well, that's, this is an Aquaman. But you have to be, you know, I always thought you had to be realistic and you're like, well, look, the main character of the show is serious and dour. You can't have another character who's so serious and dour all the time. That's going to be really boring to watch. Um, so they, by their own admission, just made him like a Steve Reeves Hercules, you know, this big lover of adventure. And, you know, kids really loved that version of Aquaman. I, I have countless examples of friends who have told me this, and in even my own family, um, uh, Darlin' Tracy's nephew uh, loves Brave and the Bold, and he and I have watched them. We haven't watched them together, but we've watched them, like, individually, and then I've said to him, oh, did you see this one? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he loves that show, and he loves the Aquaman version, because he's fun. The character's fun, and he wants adventure, and you know, um, he just wants to go around and, like, kick butt and beat up bad guys. And it's like, that's that's great, you know? That's a, a, a you know, a, a great take on the character. That's something that the DC books haven't done for a very long time. Um, and in terms of a more kind of mercenary view, the, you know, like, the makers of The Brave and the Bold, they chose, because originally, as Michael Jelnick said in our interview, they were originally going to just do a different character every single episode with Batman. Mm -hmm. And the show was, you know, partly done as a tie-in with Mattel to make toys and merchandising. And Mattel was a little like, mm, really? You're just going to have Batman and no other character? Like, a different character every single month? So they were a little like, well, could you do maybe like a core group of rotating characters that will appear more often? And then you can 
fit in all the all the you know all your other appearances. And they picked Aquaman as one of the core characters. It was basically like Aquaman, Red Tornado, Blue Beetle, Plastic Man, and Green Arrow. Yep. And so by that nature, um, that's not the correct use of that term. Um, the result, the the results of that was that Aquaman is on every piece of Brave and the Bold merchandise out there. Everything. Blankets, pillowcases, action figures, valentines, stickers, candy. I mean, he is he is in more merchandising than he has ever been. Temporary tattoos. Temporary tattoos. Everything. So, you know, like that has helped put him back on the map. So Brave and the Bold did such a great job on Aquaman that I, I you know, like eternally, on top of just loving the shows and thinking they're really fun and entertaining – I can't thank those guys enough for what they did for, for to that to the character. Um, so uh, the episode we were going to talk about in terms of the Aquaman one is if you're going to talk about, I mean, Aquaman has appeared in I think something about twenty different episodes of Brave and the Bold. So, Oof. So, yeah, something like that. Some appearances are more cameos, and other ones are full on team ups. But really, the ultimate one to talk about is the second season episode, um, Aquaman's Outrageous Adventure. Which is basically, um, oddly enough, inspired by the the, the movie The Monsters Go Home. <laughs> what? Is, yes, James Tucker said that it was inspired by The Monsters Go Home, which is basically, uh, I never, I think if I saw The Mon- Monsters Go Home, I, I don't remember much from it. But it's basically like the joke of it is, you know, here are the monsters going through this very weird family going through normal America. And people are reacting to them. And that's what this is. This episode is Aquaman, Mira, and Aquaman Jr., who is dressed in the 1986 camouflage outfit. Which is, and with the emo hair. With the emo hair. I mean, he practically <sighs> should be listening to The Cure. He's such a perfect emo kid. Um, and, and, they, and he's constantly on his little seashell yeah, you know, PlayStation or yeah. uh, Game Boy or yeah, something. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And they go on a RVing trip across America. And the, the gist of the episode is that Aquaman keeps – he's promised to his family that he will not be doing any superheroic adventures. But, of course, adventure finds him because he's the king of the sea. Hey, what's that? It's the arrow signal. Well, hello there, danger. We meet again. <laughs> They managed to fit in like two dozen different characters in this episode. Um, he meets, he bumps into Blue Beetle, he bumps into Green Arrow to fighting the Clock King, and he has to keep making excuses to Mira as to why he's going away fighting Grime when he's been promised her that he wouldn't do anything like that. And there's a great sequence where he um, uh, disappears off for a moment and ends up getting into a, a scrap with a villain with the Blue Beetle. And then returns to their hotel room, and he prom- he he lies to Mira and says he was somewhere else. And then there's the story on the news of Aquaman fighting this villain, and it's I mean it's it's just a really really funny episode, very charming, very very uh, entirely a comedy. I mean they even they even worked in the old style Super Friends title cards, um, yes, where they give you know like each each individual team up got its own title. With a little title card, and they used a little wow music behind it. I was I mean, going to say, yeah, they used a little star flashing strike. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the show is such. I, I just went on saying the show wasn't postmodern and ironic. Well, that's a lie. It's entirely postmodern and ironic. This episode, but yet it's so 
done straightforwardly that, you know, if you're a Super Friends fan, you get the joke and you laugh, but if you're just, if you don't know that stuff, you're just, it's just entertaining. Um, and then in the end, he ends up, of course, teaming up with Batman to fight the Penguin and uh, Mira and Aqualad, uh, Aqua, Aqua, uh, Arthur Jr. get involved in the adventure. And they realize that, of course, you know, as Mira says, when you love your work, um, you don't take a vacation. So they sort of, <laughs> just, you know, they're, they're okay with going back to being superheroes. And there's just so many great little details. There's like Aquaman has a, makes an excuse to visit Gotham and he has to try and convince Mira that this is part of the vacation itinerary. And he's going on about that Gotham is the center of the cultural arts of the United States. And then they clearly enter a bad part of town. And he's like, okay, let's lock the doors. And they lock all the doors in the RV. Well, isn't, doesn't he do the line from vacation? I okay, kids, roll them up. I believe he does. I believe it is. Um, I think I even asked James Tucker in the interview if that was what the episode was based on, was National Lapoon's Vacation. And he was the one who said it was the monsters go home. Um, but they, they took from that stuff from that too. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a really, it's probably Aquaman's finest half hour on television, I would say, just because the whole, the whole episode is so about him and puts him in such a positive light. And, uh, um, it, you know, I just couldn't believe when I first saw it, I just couldn't believe I was watching it. I was like, wow, they're doing a whole show like this. And it's, you know, Batman way at the end. It's just unbelievable, unbelievably funny show. I actually haven't seen a lot of episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold. I, I watched quite a bit of the first season, and then somehow I just kind of lost track of it. And I've always been meaning to catch up. I've, I've got a bunch of them sort of queued up and ready to go to watch. I just haven't done it. And I've seen some sporadically here and there. It, for whatever reason, it always seems to be a red tornado when I turn it on. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I'd never seen this one. So, you know, you told me which episode to watch, so I went ahead and dug that one up. And I started I, and let me tell you, I started it probably five times, and I just I shouldn't watch cartoons when I'm sleepy because I tend to just fall right asleep. I made it through the opening tag every time, the opening teaser, which by the way has nothing to do with Aquaman, but I have to mention because it it's freaking brilliant. Oh, the teaser is great. It's a uh, what World War One, World War Two, I guess. World, World, War, I, I, World I, War One, I, yeah. It, it you know it's enemy ace, you know, <laughs> fighting the the, the allies. And freaking Batman shows up on a biplane with, like, no explanation other than, you know, the bad guys that they're fighting shouldn't be there, neither should I. And that's it. Yeah. And it's just, they fight, and at the end, that Batman flies off in what you assume is a time rift. And yeah. it's like, God, that was awesome. <laughs> it was so good. Um, there's so a, anyway. There's a great moment of the, I have an interview with James Tucker about that, where he talks about him and uh, Michael Jelinek having, as he put it, a dot, dot, dot discussion about whether um, Batman should be wearing a World War One aviator scarf. And he, I think from what I remember, he was really pro it, and Jelinek was like, no, that's too far. But Tucker won, because he Cause is... That's he, too far. He is right. indeed wearing a World War One aviator scarf in the sequel. Because cause the, the bat plane... You know, the biplane with the bat symbols on it, that wasn't too far. Yeah, I know. The scarf, that's just pushing it. <laughs> well, I think as they saw when they got into later episodes when they got Batman teaming up with Scooby-Doo, they re right. realized that there was whatever too far was, that line had long since been crossed. <laughs> well, they probably, you know, eventually just said, you know what, we're not going to be allowed to do this show forever, so let's just do everything we've ever wanted to oh, do. Oh, you definitely get that <laughs> sense. Yeah, absolutely. Good for them. Yeah. But, um, but the Aquaman episode, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, it, when you and it suggested, I didn't know it was a, it was like you know a comedy. And as those title cards would show up, 
you know, where, you know, Aquaman with Green Arrow, I just, I mean, I almost fell out of my chair laughing so hard. This is a genuinely hilarious episode. It sure is. Oh my gosh, what a, what a great, you know, 23 minutes of television or whatever it was. Um, the emo Aquaman Jr. was <laughs> cracking me up. I mean, he was exactly like a teenager should be. And the fact that he had the hair and the blue camo suit just sold it for me. Yep. And, and I don't know what that would mean to a non-Aquaman diehard fan. It may have meant nothing, but just, oh, the, the camo suit just sold it so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Mara was, a, her hair is insane. Um, I know, yeah, it's like, the size <laughs> of an, it's like the size of a plush chair behind her. It's like right. a giant thing. It's like someone took the nanny and hit her with a giganta ray or something on her hair. Um, I love that she had the 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 flat duck feet. Mm-hmm. They they didn't they didn't give her regular feet. They gave her the duck feet that Mara should have. And uh, now I did that. I did found it interesting. We never saw her powers. Uh, I totally thought she'd be throwing some hard water balls or something during the fight with the henchmen. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess they have to fit in so much in a. Uh, I mean, it was great. They made her, you know, like a butt kicker, too. I mean, she's able to throw a punch and, and everything else. So, I mean, uh, um, yeah, it was, he said it was it was such an immersion in the in the world of these characters. And, you know, considering how, you know, little you kind of generally saw of that in, in, on television. I mean, uh, although I will say in the last couple of years it's been good. I mean, you've had live action Aquaman on Smallville and now... Raven the Bold Aquaman, you've had a lot of Aquaman. I mean, when you think about that Mira has never been rendered uh, in, you know, live action, and, and all of a sudden she was in live action and as a cartoon, basically simultaneously. Um, yeah. It was a pretty good time for the Aquaman family. But yeah, the, the camo suit and all the stuff, it's just, and they threw in these little details, there's a great secret for Batman, Aquaman's talking to Batman on the phone, and Aquaman's outside, and he leans on the RV, and when he leans on it, it like cranks... <laughs> under this weight it goes like like you can see the bumper move down like just a little bits of detail of like that's how strong he is there's a sequence where he's really bored and he's driving and he sees um the supervillain's sports, sports master and the huntress who are married and he thinks oh they're on some dastardly you know villainous escapade and they're on a boring vacation with their kids as well <laughs> like, you see tigress in the background yeah they're all bored. in the back it's just like great you know and and He's he's such a like kind of big hearted clown. I mean, when he meets Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle's so excited to be teaming up with him, and Blue Beetle's like, "Oh man, don't do I get to name the adventure this time?" And Aquaman's like, "Yes, of course, my friend." And Blue Beetle goes like, "I'll call this one." And then Aquaman interrupts him, "Yes, the Prelude of the Planet Master." And he just right. completely shuts Blue Beetle down. I don't know if it's necessarily their best episode, but it's my favorite just because it's so right in my wheelhouse. Well, I think one of the things that impressed me about this, and, and I've heard Marty Pasco talk about this on um, uh, on Word Balloon, is he's talked he's talked a lot about how a lot of writers have lost the art to write like an eight page backup, mm-hmm. and an eight page backup is sort of a lost art for writers because everyone seems to do everything in long form now, you know, decompressed, decompressed storytelling, right, and all right. that. And this was a, almost like a perfect example of several like eight page backups in one cartoon. Because, you know, you got an adventure with Enemy Ace. You got an adventure with Planet Master or Planet Shaker or whatever, whatever his name that was. Whatever that guy's name was. Yeah. You got Clock King. You got Penguin. Um, oh, jeez, I'm forgetting another one that they did, I believe. Another villain. So it, there was a tremendous amount of little stories, little vignettes all mashed into this one story. And that's, you know, to tell 
enough uh, uh, to tell a, so- a story brief enough but you get everything you need to know about that story right then and there is is a bit of an art and they did a great job with it. That's, yeah. a, that's a challenge. Yeah, and they said the voice acting too. John DiMaggio as Aquaman is is tremendous. When I first heard that they cast the guy who's Bender on Futurama as as Aquaman, I was like, oh, really? But you know, hey, there's that's why he's an actor. He can do different things, mm-hmm. and he really brings such a great you know because it's it's kind of um, a little it's it's not in the same way, but it reminds me a little bit of if, if you can go with me here, Sam Malone on Cheers, where Ted Danson played Sam Malone as dumb, but maybe not dumb? Like, he didn't quite know. Sometimes he seemed dumb, but then he seemed maybe smarter than he really was letting on. And, and I think that was, like, an attractive characteristic. And, and, and there's bits where Aquaman seems kind of like a dope. But then there's other things that he does where you're like, no, wait a minute. He's not a dope. He's kind of playing this role a little bit. Like, even among his fellow heroes, he's playing bigger than life um, mm-hmm. there's there's another episode um, and we'll get too far into it but there's another episode um, Journey to the Center of the Bat where um, <laughs> it's a great title where Aquaman and the Atom get shrunk down and go into Batman's bloodstream to, oh my uh, gosh. to uh, get the Batman's been poisoned by chemo and they go into the bloodstream to get something out of Batman and there's the Atom keeps talking down to Aquaman <laughs> with his scientific problem he's like yes Aquaman that's what this is and he says something to Aquaman of like Yes, that's what we call corpuscles, or something. And he's just really thinking Aquaman's just an idiot. Aquaman goes, "Yes, yes, corpuscles." Well, anyway, and he moves on. And it's like there's a part of it where, like, in the way DiMaggio does the line, that that Aquaman knows he's being talked down to, and he's okay with that. He's just like, "Well, whatever. Let's just keep moving." And, and there's something very attractive about that. And I've even asked both Tucker and Jelinek, you know, like. Would you guys ever consider, like, did you guys ever think that you could do an Aquaman series? Because you boosted him so much that I would think that he could support his own series. And they said they, that they would have loved to have done an Aquaman series. And, I mean, and they were talking about eventually phasing Brave and the Bold out and making it a Justice League International show. Oh, wow. Where it would be Batman, Aquaman, Fire Ice, Gardner, Blue Beetle, and Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. And, and and essentially and Martian Manhunter, and that would be the the, the core of the show, and that of course is probably you know, never going to happen. But they were thinking that, so they were you know whatever Aquaman's presence was in the show, they were even talking about increasing it more, uh, increasing it uh, you know significantly, where he'd be literally a regular in every single episode. So they you know they the Aquaman owes a lot to those guys for for making him um, putting him so um, front and center on the show. Now, was, was that the only time Fisherman's ever ap- appeared in the show? No, he was in another one. I can't remember okay. which one, but he was. In, they they've worked in Ocean Master, Fisherman, and Black Manta. They've. That's I'd, I'd seen um, Ocean Master before. Yeah. So um, I just I, I love I love the Fisherman, especially like totally pure seventies cheese with that helmet, fisherman. that cool helmet. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, with, with, the, with the rod, I mean, it's just... All of Aquaman's villains have cool helmets. That's a, that's a good thing. They rock the helmets. <laughs> that is sort of a prereq, isn't it? Um, I just, you know, I, I'm i still always amazed by Diedrich Bader, what he can do oh, yeah, as Batman. Batman. Yeah. I mean, you look at the character he played on Drew Carey versus what he does here. And, of course, I mean, we all saw him on Whose Line Is Anyway, so we know he's versatile. But it's just, it, it, Batman's such a... 
lovable, fun character. Yeah. He's just so interesting. Like as you said, he's he's not funny, but he's just fun. Yep. I love Chum. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, Chum, or yeah. friend, or whatever." There was a so. there was a great episode once where um, um, oh god, I'm I'm blanking out on the plot, but for some reason, um. Uh, I think it's I think it's a plot involving Batman, Green Arrow, and Dead Man, and Dead Man has to. Um, oh God, I'm blanking out. But for some reason, Green Arrow has to imitate Batman, <laughs> and he's imitating Batman to Batman, but he doesn't realize that that's what he's doing. So when he's yeah. like, so you've got the guy playing Green Arrow playing Batman, and he's like. Yes, I'm Batman, Grim Avenger of the Night. And it was just like playing up that that's how he sees Batman is taking himself way too seriously. And I just thought it was great that they had a character goofing on the main character of the show, being like, yes, I'm the Dark Avenger. And like, you know, and they're like, yeah, okay, that's how everybody sees Batman. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, I, when they, when they put out, like, I haven't bought the DVDs because they've been putting them out in these weird, like, formats of like four episodes on a DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, presumably, when the show finally ends, they'll put the whole series out in a big set. Well, that's typically how Warner Brothers does it. They, yeah. they release like a few episodes per disc. Yeah. Then they'll do like a season. Right. And then you can get like a collected version eventually. It's, yeah. It's, it's, they, they just continue to bleed people. <laughs> that, that'll be the one I'm going to get when they put out the box set of everything. You know, that'll be the one that I really go whole hog on because I just want to watch these over and over. Even the episodes that are not as good are so much fun. I, I don't think I've ever seen, excuse me, an episode of the show that I ever thought was bad. You know, there were some less than others, but there was no, there was never one that I walked away and went, oh, that was actually a bad show. Um, so. I, I'm, go- I'm goofing on an IMDb right now, and it's just interesting to see some of these folks, what else they've done. Like uh, the guy who does Green Arrow, which is James Arnold Taylor. He is, uh, I don't know if you know what else he does. I do he, not. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi on Clone Wars. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a big character. That's an important character to that cartoon, to Clone Wars, and that's him. Um, the Clock King, which is D. Bradley Baker, uh, does the Clone Troopers on Clone Wars. Okay. Again, another important role, because, I mean, the fact is all the Clone Troopers sound alike. But um, it's just kind of interesting. It's like, wow. I mean, these are – it's just neat to see, you know, the, where else these guys appear. And it said, if, you, if you've never heard, if you've never seen this show, and you can just listen to what we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes, you can hear how far in deep into who's who <laughs> that the show uh, dips. Because, uh, you know, they've got Clock King and Enemy Ace, and, you know, <laughs> they've worked in Batmite several times. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, they really, in fact, literally in one episode, Who's, uh, there, there was an episode of the show where Batmite whips out a copy of Who's Who and reads it. Oh, my yes, gosh. Yeah. Really? He needs to – he starts talking about the Ten-Eyed Man, <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of Batman's less impressive villains. And he literally whips out a copy of the T uh, version, the T edition of, of Who's Who and reads up on the Ten-Eyed Man. And they actually got the, literally the book with the cover. That's awesome. And I'm like – and I even – I remember right after that aired, I emailed James Tucker and I was like – Whose idea was that? <laughs> and he said, "Oh yeah, we had to, you know, we said we had to sort of fight to get that in, but we got it in." And they were so proud, you know. It's like, wow. Oh so, my gosh. And so, um, so we're talking about Aquaman now. Firestorm has not had as big a role in the show as, 
as Aquaman, but he has been in some episodes. So, um, what was the one uh, that you were going you wanted to talk about, Shaq? Well, um, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this today because we've already talked quite a bit here today. So, I, I picked one we where say he that every works. episode. I probably do. We, uh, we both say it every episode. <laughs> <laughs> where Firestorm was in the opening tease. He was in the opening tease of an episode called Dark Side Descending. Now, I recommend you watch the whole episode because it's got some JLI stuff going on. But the opening tease, which is all of, I don't know, three minutes long, has Firestorm, uh, specifically starting off with Jason Rush and Ronnie Raymond, uh, it starts off in school. Ronnie Raymond, um, if you're not familiar with the, the Firestorm persona on this show, which was introduced in a previous episode, which we'll cover someday because it was all Firestorm-centric, uh, Ronnie is a gym teacher. But he's also the science teacher, just like, you know, in your high school, at some point or another you had a class where... Your teacher, whether it be history or science or whatever, was also a gym teacher. Just without <laughs> fail, I think everybody had that at one point or yeah, another. Yeah, I did. So Ronnie's the gym teacher, but at the same time he's teaching science to Jason Rush. And so Jason Rush is the young teenage kid. And, and there's some funny bits in there. And one of the things I still struggle with is, is Ronnie Raymond on the show is voiced by a very talented actor. But it's it's not my favorite. It's Bill um, – Fager, I don't know how to say it. Fagerbake? Fager, Fagerbake, I believe. Fagerbake, okay. It's the guy who does Patrick on SpongeBob. So He was on Coach, right? Wasn't he on that show? Yes, That's he was. He was on Coach. But every time I see hear him, all I can hear is Patrick on SpongeBob, and I'm not <laughs> a big SpongeBob fan. That's <laughs> just me. Uh, maybe it's because I watched too much of it. I was about up. to say, maybe, you know, do the kids I, like it? I... Yes, of course. Uh, so I, that's probably what it is. I just had too, I, too much exposure. Right. But um, anyway, so and, and he's Ronnie. I don't want Ronnie to be that dumb. So. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Ronnie, the the, the 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 classroom windows shatter open, and in comes Killer Frost, and she's Again, got dipping it in, into the well there. Exactly. She's got it out for – well, I mean, if you're, it's sort of like you've said a long time ago about if you're going to have Firestorm – I mean, if you're going to have um, Aquaman sooner or later – um, Black Man is going to show up. Right. Same thing with Firestorm. Yeah. If you have Firestorm sooner or later, you're going to get Killer Frost. It's just that simple. And sometimes you get Killer Frost without Firestorm, like in the Justice League cartoon. So uh, Killer Frost is got it out for Ronnie because she is a jilted ex-girlfriend that he broke up with via text messaging. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some funny banter back and forth. Uh, Batman shows up because apparently he's just hanging around high schools. I know. Uh, he's always – Super villain. He's, always, he's like oh, American Express. He's always where you need to be or whatever that exactly. tagline is. He's, yeah. And uh, so they the, – Ronnie and Jason form Firestorm and there's some fun little battle between Killer Frost and, and Batman and Firestorm. And if you really step back and watch it, she's incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, at one point, she just freezes the whole school even though it's supposed to be sort of a throwaway in the background because she misses them. I mean if you look at it, it's like good – Lord, <laughs> um, nice little fight. A lot of funny banter about her being an ex-girlfriend of Ronnie's and what a terrible boyfriend yeah. he is. <laughs> it even ends with the line of uh, you know him saying, "Great, now you've got an ex-girlfriend who's turned out to be your you know arch nemesis." And he's like, "Aren't aren't they all?" <laughs> but it's it was cute. It's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. Um, fire, uh, so Ronnie again is uh, Bill Fagerbake, and Jason is. And I'm vamping for a moment because I lost the name. Good job, Shaq. Good job. Um, except Firestorm, I, well, well, Shaq looks up that information. I'll say that. Um, uh, yeah, Tyler Fire James. Tyler James Williams. Thank oh, you. There you go. 
from uh, Everybody Hates Chris. Oh, is that is that who that was? Oh yeah, oh, oh that's yeah. great. It's Chris. That's, that's cool. Chris from Everybody Hates Chris. Oh, I used to love that show. That was cool. Um, yeah, no, they did. They they, they um, voice cast really well on that show. Like they got when they had Wildcat, they got Wildcat and they cast Arlie Ermy from Full Metal Jacket. You know the guy, the, the, oh. the sergeant. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. That's just absolutely perfect. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, they dug... I mean, they used so many... They used the Challengers of the Unknown. They used Bawana Beast. I mean, I actually, if you're, if you're talking about dipping into the DC till, once you mentioned Bawana Beast, there's no other place to go. I mean, you really, there's well, no other character, I'd say, that, that out-obscures you if you're going <laughs> to... They, they didn't just use Bawana Beast. They treated Bawana Beast with respect. They, they made him kind of tough. They made him kind I, of a uh, tough guy. Unbelievable. I, I did a thing, and I don't know if I've talked about this in the show before or not, but I did a thing back on April 1st, a lot of us did, where we, um, for, for April Fool's Day, we all changed our blogs. Oh, that's and, uh, <laughs> right. Firestorm fan for a day became the Buona Beast blog. <laughs> uh, Speed Force, which is a Flash blog, became Cobalt Blue, which was uh, you know, the uh, Flash nemesis. Um, there were a lot of us that participated. There's still... Frank did an amazing thing where he, all of his blogs changed. It was amazing. And um, so I, I, I had to learn about Bonobies very quickly because I didn't actually know that much about the character other than it was a funny joke. So I actually had to watch all those uh, Brave and the Bold episodes. I was like, wow, Bonobies, like totally kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> He's so cool. Yeah, they He's did a really good job. goofy as hell, but mm-hmm. cool. You know, it's gall- galloping down the road on this spider horse. You know, it's yeah. like, wow. Yeah, they really, they really did a good job. I think his thunder got stolen a little bit by Animal Man in the DCU because they have very similar powers. And Absolutely. I, and I just think that like the inherent goofiness of the character in terms of his appearance and the name, I think it just dooms him for you know. I think it's like the the, the in terms of somebody having animal powers, you're like, well, Animal Man just sounds so much cooler than Bawana Beast. You just can't, you know. Well, it was DC's equivalent of, of Brother Voodoo for a number of years. I Brother, yeah. Brother Voodoo was a punchline all through, like, the late 80s and early 90s. That's true. true. And then a few years ago, they made him cool again. That's true. That's true. So. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Raven the Bull was great at, 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 you know, using these incredibly obscure characters. I mean, and staying away from the big ones, you know. I mean, Superman was only in one episode. Wonder Woman was only in basically one episode. Flash and Green Lantern were in a handful. But they really did, you know, other than Batman, they stayed away from, like, the big five. And, right. and used all the other people much more, much, much more effectively. So it's it's a great show, and um, you know, enjoy it while it's while it's on. And then uh, when the DVDs come out, you know, uh, buy those up. I tell you, I one of the one of the things I'll never um, I'll never forget, and I'll always appreciate out of Brave and the Bold was that Brave and the Bold got Firestorm a Happy Meal toy. <laughs> I never thought in my entire life. Firestorm would be in a Happy Meal. Amazing, isn't it? Now, the toy looks absolutely nothing like Firestorm. Wow, what are you going to do? That's a whole other discussion. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I saw little kids playing with Firestorm toys, and it just blew me away. Man, that, that is amazing. I will say this. Um, I, you know, I've always talked about, you know, oh, wouldn't it be cool to make an Aquaman movie? I mean, who wouldn't love that? At the same time, as a collector, you know, like, you look and see the amount of sheer crap that Spider-Man got put on, like, for his movies. I mean, so sometimes I look at some of the stuff they put Spider-Man on, like it's Spider-Man in a baseball uniform or 
Spider-Man in some weird outfit, and you're like, maybe it's okay that Aquaman never gets his own movie. So as a Firestorm collector, maybe you should be happy that he's his, his action figures are somewhat limited. It definitely helps the wallet, that's yeah. for sure. And yeah. I don't have to buy a Firestorm pencil case. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. Um, so I said, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great show and this will not be the only time we, we, we talk about it. Um, but the, those are, those are two of the, you know, more Aquaman Firestorm centric episodes. And, uh, said so it's, it's a great show and, uh, uh, I guess I should, I would be remiss if I don't mention this, um, on top of the 97 other Facebook pages I have, um, I have one called Give Aquaman, uh, let me, I don't even know the title of it. Um, <laughs> it's called Give Aquaman an Animated Movie, and we currently have over 500 fans, and basically it's just a page for people to sign up and say, yeah, I'd love to see a long-form uh, animated Aquaman movie. Now, there's some discussion back and forth as to what version they want to see. People want to see whether it's, like, the Young Justice version or, you know, the, the like, a more quote-unquote series one. I made a mock-up DVD cover. And for it, and I use the Brave and the Bold version because that's the one I would want to see. I would love to see the people who do Brave and the Bold do a full-length Aquaman movie with Mirror and Black Mana and everybody. Uh, I think that would just be amazing. So um, I know the, the odds are it's uh, – I guess I should have said it would be outrageous. Um, the, odds oh. are, the odds are again, are very much against it. But um, if you do – if you're listening to this and you uh, want to show Warner Brothers your support for such a concept – Go to Facebook and go to the Give an Aquaman an Animated Movie page and hit like. And uh, we can show Warner Brothers that uh, our uh, Aquaman fandom is legion. I mean, out of the big seven, you know, the traditional big seven, I mean, Aquaman and Martian Manhunter are really the only two still waiting Yeah. for that kind of attention. Yep, absolutely. So. And, and I believe with Aquaman being where he is now, Selling, you know, being one of DC's best-selling books, I think you, you know, strike while the iron is hot. I think now's a good time to, I mean, I know those things take years for production. It's not like you can think of it and put it out next week, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, 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 and, and, you know, as we've seen that name recognition doesn't mean much. The Wonder Woman movie, as far as I know, didn't sell that well. So right. it's not like, you know, name recognition is a guarantee. So, you know, I think if you made it really good, uh, I mean, as far, as far as, you know, there has been no word that they were ever going to planning on doing any Brave and the Bold movies, but you have to think that that they would at least consider it. Um, so. I mean, if they can sell a direct-to-DVD video of it, why not? Yeah. Yeah, why not? So, yeah, so go to that page and, and, and show your support to Warren Brothers for uh, for that idea. So, um, so, so that, we talk, that's our discussion of the Brave and the Bold. And as always, we're going to end the show with... <laughs> Our favorite segment, which is uh, Slipknot Talk, where we discuss right. Slipknot, what's going on with Slipknot, um, the various news around Slipknot, uh, the Slipknot movie that's currently in production. Um, well, aren't they all in production? <laughs> well, there's competing ones. You know, remember there was like right. two Meteor movies at the same time and those yep. three Steve LaFontaine movies. Well, there's like, I think there's four different Slipknot movies being made at the moment. So it's, it's very the butterfly, the butterfly not effect and the double fisherman. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> who's going to win. Exactly. Um, we're joking, of course. Um, no, we're going to end this segment, um, with, uh, our viewer, uh, I keep saying viewer, our listener mail 
segment. You are broken, sir. No, I can't. It's you know, it's it's. I have such a nuclear for, problem with that. For, um, oh, <laughs> say first you talk about this fish guy all the time. Now you can't stop with listener viewer. It's I just don't your, know. It's, I, maybe because I feel like people are watching me as I do this. It's, it's a, that's a weird thing all my own. They um, are. I, your webcam's on. You, I hope oh, you didn't geez. realize that. Oh, jeez. Put a sticker over it and everything. Put some pants on, please. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to do uh, listener feedback. We're getting lots of listener feedback. We thought that maybe as the show went on, there would be less of it because, you know, people just kind of like, all right, I get what the show is. We don't like it. I'm not going to bother to talk about it. But uh, but we get more. We get more and more uh, every episode. So we can't list, We can't read all of it that we uh, used to, unfortunately. I guess that's a good, that's a good problem to have. Uh, but we are going to mention a couple of things and read a couple well, and give them some shout-outs to a couple of people. Uh, yeah, and I, and I just want to say thanks to all you all out there. I mean, the feedback helps keep us going. It, it shows that you guys are involved. And, you know, when we get a chance to read it, it you're, you're part of the show. And uh, it's just fantastic. It's appreciated, and it helps to build some of that community. You get to know each other. Like, uh, I'll, I'll put one out there. There's over on the uh, DC Comics message board, you know, there there happen to be – almost unsolicited, some joking back and forth, all sort of tied to our podcast because there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a poster named Charlemagne. I had, ri- I had written something in a thread about Firestorm and some commentary, and, and Charlemagne wrote, Shag, you forgot to mention Slipknot. Slipknot, come on, man. <laughs> so clearly Charlemagne is listening to the show and knows the Slipknot gag, which is great, you know? And uh, I, I happen to came back with, like I said, I'm saving it for my new Slipknot, the new 52 podcast. <laughs> and Firetor- Firestorm 816 comes back with um, exactly what we need, a reboot of the Slipknot universe. And he has uh, 52 new number ones of Slipknot in November. And he's listed out several different Slipknot nut titles. I mean, he did some research here because these are all different types of knots and stuff <laughs> or, or jokes. It's, it's great. So uh, the feedback is appreciated. We really appreciate um, it means the world to us, and we hope it helps you feel like you're part of the show, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, Chad, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, read one of the emails that we do want to uh, read? Sure. Uh, I've got one here from Keith G. Baker. Uh, this gentleman, uh, years ago, ran a site called The Nuclear Fan and actually was a Firestorm fan site back Nuclear. in – Thanks for that. No and, problem. Uh, for anyone new to the show, I am physically incapable of pronouncing the word nuclear properly. As, as was ex- as is shown right there. Yeah. I, I'm actually trying. A friend of mine taught me a phonetic way, and I still can't get the damn thing right. So uh, if anyone in the world should be able to pronounce it right, it should be me, but that is not the case. So anyway, Keith ran a site called The Nuclear Fan. Oh, Lord. And did, I did it wrong again? Seriously? <laughs> Nuclear. That's right. That's better, yeah. Nuclear. Nu- nuclear. All right. You can edit this out. Anyway. <laughs> I'm leaving this all in. Are you kidding? This is gold. I love this. The pain. The pain. So he ran this site about this, you know, atomic uh, fan. And uh, anyway, um, it was back in 2003 when Jason's series was getting cranking up. And, and I, he and I corresponded, and I was really trying to help support his site in – combination of his site and your site, Rob, along with Frank's uh, Martian Manhunter site and Speed Force, those were the forces, those were the four forces that convinced me to start Firestorm Fan. So hearing from Keith meant a lot to me because I, I'm uh, uh, just, he helped inspire Firestorm Fan. So he wrote uh, in a letter to me, uh, on, or I'm sorry, on the blog, reserving my views on the reboot for now, 
I will say two things. One, it was a good first issue of the comic. And two, did we catch a glimpse of the new Killer Frost? Her arm, at least? Good catch there, by the way. Uh, also, regarding the Fire and Water podcast, I finally caught up on them, at least the first three. You guys are doing an excellent job on it, and I have thoroughly enjoyed them. One thing, though, I'm not sure how I feel yet about having Matchheads team up with fishy followers. Wasn't pompous King Arthur the one who ended the satellite era and kicked Firestorm out of the Justice League <laughs> in that 1984 Justice League annual number two? I don't think the 12-year-old of me has ever forgiven him for that. Keep up the great work, KGB. And you know what? Wow, KGB, that's great. Um, he's absolutely right, Fishman. It, it is Aquaman's fault that Firestorm lost his spot in the Justice League. The thing that kept him going it was his passion. It's all Aquaman's fault. I completely See, forgot about that. No, but but I am going to I am going to argue and take the other side in this issue, and I'm guessing that's the surprise. Key. Well, my version is called the correct version, but I'm gonna uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that's partly what Keith's doing was he wanted to pit us against each other in a sort of um, Star Trekian kind of uh, you know bread and circuses sort of thing. He wanted to throw exactly exactly. Um, I'm not going to do a Shatner impersonation. That's fine. Um, so I'm guessing that was Keith's uh, intention was this purposely divisive email. Um, but I'm going to mention that if you uh, go back and reread that annual Justice League annual number two, um, I understand that maybe since we know that pronunciation is not your strong suit, maybe reading comprehension is not you're not great up there on either. That's all right. Um, I mean, you've got your five year old talking down to you, so you know. Right she there. was being nice. I mean, Okay, that's how you want to take it. That's fine. Um, uh, look, look, my own dog sometimes looks down on me. <laughs> she doesn't talk down to me because she doesn't talk. But um, she clearly um, sort of just tolerates me at times, so I'm no better. Um, you, write an, you write an Aquaman blog and have a MASH podcast. Oh, there you Come go. on, man. What's with my MASH podcast? What the hate with the MASH podcast? <laughs> I love me some MASH. Yeah, that's not fair. It's, okay, well, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, anyway. I, know the word, I know the words of the theme song. I'm, I'm yeah, legit. Me, yeah, there you go. Uh, I'll have to have you on. Um, but anyway, uh, in, actually, in that sequence, um, it is, Aquaman is perfectly happy to have Firestorm in the Justice League. It is Martin Stein who says, no, we can't put our lives on hold, Ronald. We can't stay. And it is Martin Stein who makes the decision. Oh, oh. first of all, you dug out the freaking comic and are reading it to me now? Is that what no, you're doing? No, I know it from memory. You weirdo. Um, <laughs> it, but it was such a half-hearted invitation. That's the thing. Aquaman knows Ronnie Raymond was a young, uh, probably college student at that point. No, probably high school student. 84. Ooh, I can't remember which spot where that falls. Anyway, knew full well uh, Firestorm's personal life. He knew that Professor Stein is a successful you know, scientist. Knew that they could not f- commit full-time to live in Detroit. Well, they didn't know they were going to live in Detroit at that point. Oh, Aquaman knew. He knew. <laughs> yeah. This whole thing was carefully o- orchestrated to tear the Justice League apart. Oh, now that's that's just... Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. Now, well... You want, to read, you want to read a letter now? <sighs> Keith, mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just move on. Um, I got an email from a uh, young, young Jack Ingram. Um, 
Oh, you go back, back to that. Oh, we did not young, little. We meant to say little. I'm sorry, little, 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 little Jack, L I L, yeah, little, little Jack Ingram, little Jackie Ingram, age six. No, um, he's he. First of all, he opens his email with "Meanwhile at the Legion of Doom," which is that's perfect. Oh. You know, if you want to like guarantee your email is going to get read on the air, that's probably a good way to start. Other than, <laughs> um, here's fifty dollars. Um, but uh, that'll work too. That'll work too. But anyway, he wrote "Much love all the way from Scotland." How awesome is that? We have somebody from Scotland. Wow. Uh, Scot- Scottish people are notoriously cheap, so I guess free podcasts is something that interests them. Um, love- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to alienate yeah, any of them. that old joke about the Scottish pay toilet, but all right, whatever. So <laughs> he wrote <laughs> – look, I come from Irish and Italian roots. We never get made fun of, so um, – <laughs> I'm Polish, if that makes you feel oh, any better. Oh, good lord. Uh, so anyway, so we have loving, he wrote, loving the podcast, guys, as I'm a major Aqua fan. That's fan of Aquaman. Never paid much attention to Firestorm. Gosh, why'd you pick this one to read? <laughs> he wrote, but he runs, sorry, but I appreciate the love Shag has for them. And same there you goes, go. There you go. Same goes Rob for our scaly friend. That sounds bad. Scaly friend. It sounds like he's... Papillon or something. Um, skin condition. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really enjoyed Aquaman number one. I'm only 16 and had not read an actual Aquaman comic before, just in Justice League. I tried getting a friend who thinks Aquaman sucks to read it, but he <laughs> but he refused. <laughs> I hope you punched him in the head, Jack. Um, he wouldn't listen to reason because, as we know, Aquaman is a badass. You have to be a badass to wear scales and ride a giant seahorse. Not read, um, not reading Firestorm again. Sorry, but it sounded fun. Keep fanning the flame and ride the walrus. Your disciple, Jack Ingram. I like disciple. That's a good one. I, that makes me feel like I have a team of people that could do my bidding at a moment's notice. Which minions, I, I, yeah, minions. Like, I really enjoy minions. That's great. What well, it's shrine disciple that works. That works. That's good. Yeah, exactly. Worship all that kind of stuff. So thank you, Jack, for that uh, that wonderful email. I appreciate it. And uh, you said you've never read an actual Aquaman comic before. I will recommend that you go back and uh, go through um, some of the trades at the very least. There's not as much uh, Aquaman stuff in trade form as there should be. But um, I, at the very least, I would recommend reading the Death of the Prince trade paperback, which just came out over the summer, uh, which features some tremendous Aquaman stories. There's, there's 50 years – 50, 70 years of I – sh- I should know what how old he is. I just did the birthday thing. There's um, – <laughs> There's 70 years of Aquaman stories to read, and while they're not all not all great, um, there's a lot of good stuff there. So if you really like the character, there, there's there's lots to enjoy. I I think it's phenomenal that you've got right there a 16 year old who's picking up a, a particular character for the first time, and you know obviously it engaged him enough to write the show to get involved with the show. It just it's exciting. It shows that the new 52 is working. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say thanks to a couple of fans uh, or listeners who wrote in to help us out, give us information that we, we were looking for. Uh, both Russell, L- little Russell Burbage, and little little Luke Giaconetti, <laughs> both of them uh, wrote in to point out. We had we had said during when we read the Aquaman thing, uh, we did the review of Aquaman number one. We couldn't find the hooded lady. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, we found in yeah. Firestorm. We could not find an Aquaman. And Lil Luke and Little Russell both helped us out to let us know that it was on page 12 and in the restaurant. And uh, anyway, you can go out to the Aquaman Shrine for that, and it's in the comments of um, of the podcast. It tells you exactly where to find that yep. panel. And sure enough, I'll be darned. I looked it up. I'm like, I'll be darned. There, she is. there it is. Yep. 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 I, so thank you, guys. 
And then another thank you out to another fan uh, or listener. Um, I keep saying fan because it's Firestorm fan. I'm just programmed that way. Uh, Randy Collins, he has been a longtime supporter of Firestorm fan. He writes in quite often. He uh, wrote a nice letter. He said, Shag, I've been digging the podcast. Good comic stuff. Great political views. Just awesome. If you mentioned this, I missed it. I don't remember you mentioning that Cliff Carmichael was in Fury of Firestorm number one. Thanks, Randy Collins. And... Let me tell you, Randy, I'm really glad you wrote in. I, I, about the same time you sent this email, I saw a tweet from Jerry Conway who wrote that he noticed Cliff Carmichael in Fury of Firestorm number one and that he was a badass. So I, I see these two together and I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't see Cliff Carmichael in number one. What are they talking about? And if, you, if you're not a longtime fan of Firestorm, Ronnie Raymond, the teenager, had a foil all through high school, which was Cliff Carmichael. It, it, the way Jerry Conway set up the Firestorm comic is Ronnie Raymond is the equivalent of Flash Thompson if he got the Spider-Man powers. That's a great, that's a great observation. That's kind of always what he said when he when he approached the character. It was he wanted to do the role reversal rather than Peter the nerd getting the powers or being terrorized by Flash Thompson. He wanted Flash Thompson to get the powers and be terrorized by Peter Parker the nerd. So you've got Ronnie as Flash Thompson. You've got. Cliff Carmichael is the nerdy spider, you know, Peter Parker character. And he's a jerk. He's a, he's a nerd bully. Cliff Carmichael is a real prick. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I, didn't, I totally didn't notice this. And if I, I went back and reread the issue, and sure enough, the, the, the main mercenary guy on the dog team, the just total, utter, ruthless bastard, uh, forgive the language, was Cliff Carmichael. It's right in there. It even, they didn't actually call him Cliff Carmichael. They just, in one panel, they call him Clifford. Another panel, they call him Mr. Carmichael. And I just didn't put it together. So thank you, Randy, for writing in with that information. It was a total forehead slap moment of like, duh. <laughs> so uh, that was great. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we like said we got, got a whole a whole ton of nice comments. There was one thing I had to, I wanted to want to mention is um, somebody on iTunes named Germ McAwesome. <laughs> great name. Oh, Jermic Awesome Sauce. This is a fantastic yes, name. Yes. Um, he wrote, finally, there is an Aquaman and Firestorm Power Hour, which I am now frustrated. I didn't think to call the show that. I think I like that more than Fire and Water, the Aquaman and Firestorm Power Hour. I just, uh, you know, I mean, unfortunately, growing up, uh, I hear the words Power Hour in my head, and it's always followed with with Shazam, because he was part Same of here. I mean, he I'm part, doing the song in my head. Dun, yeah, dun, dun, power dun, dun, with dun, Shazam. And he, Shazam. Yeah, exactly. He was part of that show, and uh, I, it will be a cold day in hell before I allow Shazam anywhere near my Aquaman podcast. So, um, <laughs> For you matchheads who don't know what he's talking about, go check out Aquaman Shrine and look up his uh link Shazam. Says, my grudge against Shazam. Yeah, his seething frustration with <laughs> it Shazam. It is long and deep. And I even love that character, too. I love Shazam. I love Captain Marvel. I love the live-action show. But but uh, I have a grudge. I have a definite okay. grudge. Can I digress for two seconds? Sure. Okay, I have a bit of a grudge against Shazam as well. I've never talked about it. Oh, no. And it's specific to Alex Ross. Alex Ross, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but Alex Ross doesn't ever draw Firestorm. Right, yes, yeah. He does, he does a lot of Justice League stuff. He does a lot of satellite-era Justice League. But as far as he's concerned, and, and I want to say he's gone on record in an interview, but I don't. I can't swear that. But I, I'm pretty sure he's come out and said that for him, the ju- that his Justice League ended when Firestorm joined. Ouch. I, I know. Painful. So whenever he does the Justice League, it is usually the satellite era. Not only is Firestorm not in it, 
but somehow Plastic Man and Shazam make it in there. Yeah, that's the Ross, Earth Ross, I would guess you'd call it. Right. And it's like, seriously? You couldn't draw the kid with the flaming hair in the corner (laughs) or something? I mean, to my knowledge, the only time he's ever done Firestorm was on the Crisis Infinite Infinite Earths poster that Perez penciled and Ross painted. Um, yeah, because he's not in the Justice Maxi series either. No, he's not. He's no, wow. but uh, and he's not in the Secret Origins or any. You know, it's just it's, no, no, he's uh, not. Yeah, it hurt, it hurts me inside. <laughs> but that's more Alex Ross's fault. Than True, it is. but, but it's, still, his, his yeah. artwork's so pretty. Yeah, I understand. It's seeing seeing Shazam constantly replacing your favorite exactly. character. It's very frustrating. But again, I love so, I love Shazam. Make awesome sauce. Yes. Great job. Thank you for that comment. And um, I guess the last thing I wanted to mention is um, – Wait. Hold on. Oh, it's Mick- sorry. No, it wasn't him. There, there was one guy um, – I'm not going to read the comments, but uh, there, someone here decided to help you with a tagline. Uh, I was just going to mention that. That's funny. Oh, you're going to mention Jason? I wasn't going to mention Jason specifically, but I'm. I was. But go, you go ahead first, and I'll. I'll mention I just. I, I'm not going to read the comments. A nice comment, thank you. But he ends it with "Fan the flame, club the seal." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm not going to go with that one. Um, I was going to say that it seems like by uh, by just natural uh, selection, um, the Aquaman catchphrase has become "ride the wave" because everybody's using that now. Um, ride the wave or catch the wave? Well, most more pe- more than one person has 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 written ride the wave. Okay. So I'm going to be inclined to say ride the wave because I think and and you know I'm I'm perfectly fine with a democratically chosen uh, catchphrase. You know because I have failed after five years of coming up with one, uh, so it's perfectly fine for me that the that the fans have. So well, it just uh, never occurred to you until you saw the awesomeness that is Firestorm fan. Uh, yes, and you went, true. "Wow, Shag right out of the gate! It's got a catchphrase." That's true. That's true. I'm so. not going to be sarcastic. That's absolutely true. I was like, I can't believe I didn't. With all my marketing prowess, I, I never thought to come <laughs> up with a catchphrase. Um, you know, so 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 yeah. Thanks to everybody who wrote and and um, the people that that to say ride the wave because it seems like that's that's our catchphrase. So, um, although I will say, uh, <laughs> I like. Um, B-list heroes get five-star treatment by Slapnut79, <laughs> which is probably not his real name. Uh, I am a longtime fan of Firestorm and have always been interested in Aquaman. It's nice to see these underappreciated guys get some love. The song by Michael Kohler is fantastic. Uh, we agree with that, as is the, our closing theme by um, Dan Adams and the um, Bad Mamma Jammas. But anyway, uh, Slapnut says, I look forward to many episodes, Fan the Flame, and um, dot, 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 dive, dive, dive. Rob needs to work on a catchphrase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he said, I think we're going to do Ride the Wave. I think that's where we're going. That definitely works. So. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to several uh, friends of ours, uh, or acquaintances, however you want to say it, pals, who were nice enough to give a shout-out on their own sites. Uh, Michael Bailey, who uh, over at Fortress of Baileytude, Wrote a very nice recommendation sure uh, for folks to listen to the Fire and Water podcast. Uh, Michael Bailey is the host slash co-host of a number of podcasts, most of through the Two True Freaks uh, network or through the Superman homepage. Uh, go check them out. The We've talked a little bit before here about the um, Two True Freaks Comics Monthly Monday. They do the JSA podcast. They do... Uh, views from the long. He does views from the long box. He does the the Superman from Crisis to Crisis. I mean, he's, there's a whole plethora of them, and they're all great. And Michael's a very entertaining guy. And uh, I've had the um, 
good luck to be on a number of podcasts with him. So thank you, Michael, for that shout-out. Very appreciated. And also thanks to a few other folks. Uh, Collected Comics Library were very kind to give us a shout-out on their podcast, uh, CCL Podcast 317. They mentioned us on there. Very kind. Gutter Talk. Um, I like what he wrote. He wrote, uh, so I recently wasted slash slash spent an entire <laughs> afternoon downloading and listening <laughs> to our show. So uh, thank you for that. And then uh, finally, special thanks, as always, to our good friend Frank, who does a million blogs. And uh, I think he's finally beat it in my head that I will not say all of them this time. Uh, I will mention, though, his, his sort of linchpin blog, The Idle Head of Diabolí. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun for me. I'm going to drag this out for years. Uh, anyway, so uh, Idlehead of Diabli, he, uh, he gave us a very nice plug. Um, they just wrote a whole thing about our, our podcast, talked about um, different things about it, and uh, really appreciate that. I really do. And by the way, Frank, uh, as I mentioned, he does a number of blogs. He's going to be launching the Slipknot blog in a couple of weeks, so watch for that. <laughs> yeah, Frank's comments are like little little uh, essays all into themselves. And, and yeah, we've mentioned that before. Frank's great about doing that. He, he definitely leaves us little uh, comments. And uh, even though he swore that I would get him in the divorce, he did leave his comment on Aquaman Shrine this time. Uh, see, I, I took him to that ball game and it finally worked. You know? I, t- I, I take it personally. Uh, okay. Well, that's good. Um, you don't, I, I, I want you to care, even when it hurts. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I think, I think that's going to do it for this episode, episode five of Fire and Water podcast. Um, I'm, I don't think Shag and I know exactly what we're going to be covering in the next episode. Um, I'm sure that I will mention Slipknot, Frag, Snag, Snag, I've called you Snag. Shag will, uh, mispronounce, ah! <laughs> Shag will mispronounce nuclear, um, and he'll make fun of me about Aquaman. I won't make fun of him about Firestorm because I'm just generally a nicer person and I'm more sensitive. Um, but oh, you're just above that. No, I'm not above it. Well, yeah, I guess I am. No, yeah, I am. I'm just a morally superior being. Um, that's that's what I believe. Um, it, it's it's fair to mention, folks, October 26th. Uh, be sure to be in your comic shop uh, Wednesday, October 26th to pick up Aquaman number two and The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Man number two. That's right. That's right. It's a, it's a big, week. big week. So maybe, um, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll be our next thing. Is we'll, we'll talk about those next time around. Um, but we never know. You know, you never know when Shag and I will get together and bang out another episode. You never know. You have to keep watching. Keep watching the feed, as they say in movies. <laughs> so uh, I think that's about it. Shag, do you have anything else you wanted to add? No, that's going to do it, folks. Just as always, keep that feedback coming. Um, Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a comment if you don't mind on iTunes or drop us a note. Let us know what you think of the show or anything we get wrong or if you have a pronunciation key for the word nuclear. Yeah, there uh, you go. You got it. So there we go. That will be helpful. for the stars. Yep. And uh, fan the flame, folks. Support Firestorm. And ride the wave. That sounds good. That sounds natural. Support Aquaman. Visit uh, Firestorm at FirestormFan.com, of course. Uh, and visit AquamanTheAquamanShrine.com. Do you have any other things you wanted to mention, Chang? Anything you wanted to plug because the show's not gone on long enough? Well, I mean, it's fair to say we both have uh, Facebook pages, which are simply the names of our sites. We've got uh, Twitter feeds, again, so, you know, Aquaman Shrine on Facebook and Twitter, Firestorm Fan on Facebook and Twitter, um, all that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Uh, I just want to throw in one less plug, not related to either one of our, either one of our ventures. But there's a new blog um, by my uh, buddy Aaron Bias. And, oh yeah. Yes, and it's called the Arrow Cave, and is of course all about Green Arrow. Um, the address of it is I'm sorry, is is called trickarrows.blogspot.com. It's a lot of fun. Um, Aaron and his wife Amy and his awesome wife Amy collectively have I think 30 blogs between the two of them. <gasps> it is ridiculous. Seriously. Yeah, Amy is rocking out the blogs. You going to believe? And on top of that, they have like six. They have like 16 kids or something. Um, I, I could be wrong about that number, but I mean, they have a lot. I don't know how they have the time. They're wonderful people. Their blogs are great. And, uh, Aaron's Green Arrow blog is, is a lot of fun. So, uh, give it some support. It's just starting out. That's fantastic. I, I actually just emailed him today because, uh, on Big Bang Theory this past week, Sheldon was wearing a shirt that has Firestorm and Green Arrow That's on right. it. That's right. That's right. I saw that one. It was very funny. I was like, woo! All right. So, um, so anyway, so that's that's going to do it for this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. As usual, thank you so much for listening. And again, fan the flames and ride the wave. And uh, we'll come back for episode six uh, as soon as we can put it up. That's a bad. That's a bad exit line. Do you have a better one, Chang? Thanks again, folks. And we'll be talking to you next time. Can't wait. All righty. Bye bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime. Farewell!